Amen. Amen. Uh, last week, I don't want to uh, try and spend too much time each week catching up, but last week I just talked about the amazing blessing of being a son and a daughter of God, how it was God's design, God's desire wasn't our plan, it was His plan, His purpose, how He divinely made us that, and how He qualified us, do you remember? And He qualified us for inheritance in light, amen, our inheritance is in light, not in darkness, remember we were transferred out of darkness, Everything that we were before we were saved was a darkened mindset, a darkened understanding. When the Bible says the people had a darkened mind, what it means is it was a fallen mind. It was in the mindset that was before Christ. When Adam and Eve chose the tree of knowledge, when they chose to go their own way, our minds were darkened. We had a way of operating, a way of thinking and everything. And God has qualified us now for our inheritance in light. Amen. We've got to understand that, church, that our inheritance is found in light. If we're looking for an inheritance that's found in a darkened mind, we were not going to get it through Christ. Amen. So, so as the people of God, as we've been transformed, changed from the, from the uh, kingdom of darkness, I hate calling it a kingdom, but anyway, from, the, from darkness into light, when we've been transformed into the kingdom of light, our inheritance is found in Him and it's found in light. Which means, and I'm, just, I'm not even going there this morning, but just to challenge every single one of us, it means that our desires should have changed from a darkened mind. What's challenging in the world today is that the, the, the church seems to have exactly the same desires as the world. Just that we've got God now to help us achieve them. When we've been given an inheritance in light, friends, the inheritance that we've been given is not for, it's not to, for the same desires. The desires have changed. Amen. I was talking to someone the other day. I'll throw this out. If anyone gets offended by this, please don't. I'm sharing a real life example of someone who sat down with me and they were talking to me about leaving an inheritance for their kids. And they were talking about how all the stuff that's happening in the world, how they've really been robbed and they've wobbled because they've not been able to leave the inheritance for their kids that they really wanted to. And he's talking about money. And I'll tell you what breaks my heart is because that is the desire of a darkened mind. It shouldn't be the same desire, friends. When I talk about inheritance for my kids, I'm not talking about money. Otherwise, I have to ask myself this deep question. When I'm called, friends, to be a missionary in some Weird place, friends, where it's just difficult and it's challenging and, and, uh, and it costs everything in your life. Is that person stepping out of the will of God because they can't leave an inheritance for their kids? Are we defining different people with different? Are we now making the Bible relative to different people? See, the desires in the kingdom of heaven, my desire is to leave inheritance for my kids, church. Please don't get me wrong. But it's never been about giving my inheritance as money. That's the desire of the world. That's one little aspect of many, many desires that we have. We desire for our kids to be, go to good schools so they can go to good universities, so they can get good jobs, so they can earn a good amount of money, so they can do well in life. None of that's bad, friends, but when I step into the kingdom, my desires change. There's things bigger. There's things more important.
Okay, I've jumped into a, a fire and I'm going to quickly get out of a fire. I just want to talk. Oh. God's just been dropping a whole lot of stuff in my heart this week and I, I want to read a couple of scriptures and then I want to try and just unpack it in, a, in, a, in as quick a way as I can. Because I want to encourage us this morning as a people of God, what God's given us, what He's called us to as His kids, it follows on from last week, qualified to walk in His inheritance, we're His kids, who we are, our identity in Him, sons and daughters of God, it's just, it's a privilege, it's an honor, um, and uh, just what that fully means, I think we're still unpacking. Let me just read, uh, should I read it now? Let me just read 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, we'll come back to these, I'm just going to read a couple of scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, um, let me read from verse, if I can read it, from verse 18. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What, what do you not have houses to eat and, and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not, for I received from the Lord... What I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's stop there. Come back to that one. Um, let me just quickly go to uh, uh, Jeremiah 31. Let's go to Jeremiah 31. Let's read from. Let's read from verse 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach the neighbor and each his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. Should I go to the last one? Let me go to Ezekiel. Let's go to Ezekiel. I think it's 36. Quickly go to verse 27, uh, verse 26. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I'll put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and I'll give you a heart 
Remove, I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and I'll give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Okay, we'll unpack those very quickly. Let me, let me do a quick journey with you. God's a covenant-keeping God. God's a covenant God. God comes and he, and he establishes covenant with uh, Adam and Eve. As he established covenant with Adam and Eve, the understanding in covenant is that the two are mutual agreements. The thing with God is that because he's all-knowing and he's all-pure and he's all, he, he is holy, um, is that the, he uh, just prescribes the terms, right? In a normal covenant, you come into agreement with the terms so that you both agree and you sign and you make covenant. But in this particular case, God, who's because he's God, he signs all the terms. But God's the one who then provides the protection, the blessing, the promises. And uh, what we have to do is um, obey, comply, and we receive those, right? Very simple. Covenant. We've got that. Everybody? So he makes covenant with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve then choose to rebel from the covenant. Uh, God, we journey along a little bit. There's a Noahic covenant. God makes covenant with Noah um, where he destroys the earth with water, but then he promises him, makes a declaration, the earth will never again be destroyed with uh, uh, water, but it will be destroyed with fire. Uh, to Peter, go and read it. It's in, in there. At, at the end of the age, the world will be consumed with fire, but not with water. So he makes a covenant with Noah. Then he journeys a little bit long. There's an Abrahamic covenant where he makes a covenant with Abraham. And uh, what's an amazing thing with the, with the uh, Abrahamic covenant is what happens normally with the, in the covenant is that um, where the animals are all cut up and, and then the two parties walk in between them and basically they're declaring if, if, if I was to dishonor this covenant, may I be just like these animals torn apart and what have you. But isn't it interesting, in the Abrahamic covenant, covenant only one party walks through the part. It's a beautiful picture. It's an Abrahamic covenant that would get transferred and the, the promises of that would go all the way because it's the seed of Abraham that finally brings about the new covenant. Amen. And then we go along, we go just speeding along very quickly, but we come to the um, Mosaic covenant which comes through uh, uh, Moses where the people of God, um, God comes and he uh, visits his people and makes covenant with them. And as long as they comply and fulfill all those rules, uh, then um, they will receive all the blessings and walk in all the blessings. How many, are you with me on all of this? This is all Bible, I'm just going very quickly. And we follow all the way through this Davitic covenant, there's a whole bunch of other things. But we come through to the new covenant. And we must understand that when Christ came, he came to bring about a new covenant. Do we get that? When Christ came to this earth and to die for our sins, it was about establishing a new covenant. So when he came, friends, when we look at all the different covenants, was there anything wrong with the covenants? There's nothing wrong with the covenants. It wasn't the covenant that was at fault. It was, we were at fault. We couldn't, that particular covenant, what it couldn't cover, that covenant couldn't deal with was our rebellion, right? It couldn't cover us messing up. That's why the law, the law had no power to transform us. We had to, we had, there's something we had to do, right? 
we had to be obedient. As long as we walked in obedience, we got the blessings and everything from God. So when Jesus came, there's fundamentally something different about the new covenant. And I want to try and touch on those two things. So basically, um, and I'll unpack it a little bit. The, what's inherent in the new covenant, and, and I love, I read that 1 Corinthians 11 because we're coming to the table this morning, and as we come to the Lord's table, there must be an understanding about how powerful the Lord's table is. And I want you to understand that when um, Paul's talking about um, in 1 Corinthians 11, and if you want to just shift back there, we might as well deal with it while I'm there. Well, as we 1 Corinthians 11, there's something that Paul's dealing with here which is very important. He says, for in the first place, when you come together as a church, there's something about covenant and about being a church. What was happening here was he was dealing with an issue in the church. And the issue in the church was there was a whole group of people that would come together and, uh, and then the rich people used to come and they used to bring all their lack of food and their wine and everything and they used to get drunk and eating and celebrating what have you while the poor people didn't have any food. That's, I'm not, that's the Bible. I'm just explaining to you what Paul was trying to hear. And he said, that isn't right, guys. That shouldn't happen in the life of the church. And then he goes and he says, and the reason being, and he uses... He explains the reason from communion, from the Lord's Supper. And he says this, he says, For I received from the Lord that which also I delivered to you. The Lord Jesus on that night when he was betrayed, took bread, and he broke. In the same way they took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do as often as you do in remembrance of me. So there's something about the new covenant that God was trying to explain, which is found in when we partake of communion this morning. If we continue on there, it says, um, for I'll remember their sins no more, uh, uh, their iniquity and their sins. So there's two things that I want to touch on here, but I want to explain covenant very well. I want to explain that the first and foremost thing that happens when we come to the table is to understand the divine appointment that we had with God when we gave our lives and surrendered to Him in Him redeeming us from our sin, restoring us back to our full value and who we are. There's a redemptive value. There's a sanctification process that He did at the cross, which has got to do with us. Right. Then there's a second process which relates to a covenant when we're redeemed and we come back into covenant with Him about being covenanted with one another. As a church, because here, if you read it very carefully, he's talking about the church. He's not talking about the universal church. He's talking about a local church that's gathering together. And the way it operates and the way it functions, we have to go back to covenant to understand that the covenant was controlling and dictating how they operate in local church. Now, that makes tremendous sense, friends. If you understand the covenant that you have with God and the same rules and the same understanding of that covenant should also be the same understanding that we have as covenant with one another. 
See, when we talk about local church, friends, you're not talking about, well, uh, people that live in the same area because we all come from different areas. Or we all talk the same language or we profess the same thing. How can you see or understand local church just because of language or just because of a particular region or where they live because everybody lives in that area? The way you understand and see local church is through covenant. Because when God plants you in a local church and he sets you up, you begin to covenant with one another. We are covenant brothers and sisters. We have covenant together. As we have covenant together, friends, we display the nature and the goodness of God. And that's how you see local church. Local church is not a gathering. Friends, just because 94.7 has sealed off the roads in order for us to get you does not mean local church cannot meet. Local church is not a location. It's not a place, friends. Local church is you and I, covenant together. It's about you and I in each other's lives and homes. Church, friends, is way more than a place where you meet, friends. That's why we, if you understand this, it's so much harder to leave that. It's far easier to change the GPS on your system, friends, as to where you actually go on a Sunday than it is to change a covenant relationship. Church is not attending a place, friends. Church is about building together. It's about a covenant relationship. When you come together in a covenant relationship, what Jesus Christ did is he broke down every single wall of division. In a covenant, friends, there's no race in a covenant. There's no color in a covenant. There's no class of person in a covenant. That's what Jesus broke down. When we sing, it is finished, that's what is finished, friends. We're all exactly the same, friends. The church ought not to operate like this, Paul was saying, because hold on a minute, we've drunk the cup of the new covenant. It's not about rich or poor, haves, have-nots, about a status, a class, a type of lifestyle and not type of lifestyle. Friends, if I'm uncomfortable with anybody in this church and I have a problem and I should go and drink from the cup of the new covenant. It's very quiet. So here's the exciting news. (laughs) The exciting news this morning is that God realized that these covenants had one problem, and that was us. So he did something supernatural and amazing and very powerful. He took care of it. Now if we go and read what he just told us, what does the Bible say happens in the new covenant? It says he no longer writes it on stone, but he now writes it on our hearts. He changed and wrote inside of us the new covenant. So I don't know if we get that. I've given you a new heart, not that heart of stone anymore, it's a new heart. I've written 
my laws and my commandments on your heart now. I've given you my spirit so that you can walk in my commandments and obey my statutes. What's happened in the new covenant is God took care of sin and he also took care of the rebellion of man. This is a, it's a radical, powerful truth, friends, that if you and I can grab hold of this and understand this, because you've got to believe it to live and walk in it, that Christ took care of every single aspect. When he said it's finished, he really meant it's finished. That in our lives now are written actually in our hearts. Can, let me say it like this. Do we think that the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament is the Old Testament is full of commandments, the New Testament is not? Do we think the Old Testament was a whole bunch of things that we needed to do and that the New Testament was we don't have to do anything, we just have to, we can do whatever we want? Because a large part of the church thinks that. The reality is, friends, is that it's, they both have commandments. If you go and read in John chapter 14 and John chapter 15, he said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. The one aspect, unfortunately, friends, is that we have to try and keep his commandments in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, the commandments are now written in his heart, and he's given us the power of his spirit to keep his commandments. Both friends are still keeping his commandments. In other words, there should, should be a, a disciplined life in a New Testament believer even more so than in an Old Testament believer, right? Because the Old Testament was doing it by the power of his own will and self, whereas the New Testament believer is doing it by the power of the Spirit. Amen. In the Old Testament, there was a an external form, and in the New Testament, there's an internal relationship, right? Let me, uh, let me take you to Hebrews chapter 8. Let's just read from verse, um, verse, let's read from verse five. It says, they serve a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. He's talking about the priesthood, he's talking about the tabernacle, he's talking about all the things that they do and they operate. They serve a copy and a shadow. So the, the tabernacle, the temple, the official priesthood, the sacrifices, the, the um, uh, feasts, the dietary laws, all those things were a copy or a shadow of the real thing, which was to come, which we all know is Christ, right? Those were copies and shadows. All of those things were external, but now Christ has come, Christ has now become our temple, our tabernacle. He is our high priest, our mediator, our intercessor. 
He's become our worship, our focus. He becomes everything in the New Testament. But the reality is, friends, if we under, uh, with the darkened mind understanding, friends, where our default was all about doing things, rituals, external, uh, self-will, obedience, performance, orientated. If that is our darkened mind understanding, friends, when we come into this new revelation, we have to step into an inheritance in light and change the way we think. Because even though Christ has done away with the copy and the shadow and brings the real, if the real stands there, friends, before us, and we don't have a change in mindset, then the way we have always thought, friends, is we will then, with the real, quickly form an outward and external way of honoring or, 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 or exalting uh, the real. Are you with me? I hope you're with me. Otherwise, I'm going to go slower. Am I going to trip? So, so what happens if, if, if religion can stay in our hearts and keep everything of what we do as external, friends, then we lose the reality of the new covenant. So the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant is that, friends, in the old covenant, it was a come and see covenant. Do you understand that? That it was a group of people. Under the old covenant, what happened was Israel was established as a nation. As Israel as a nation, everybody had come and look and see how through the covenant that God had with them, everybody would come and look how they operated, what they did. Nobody, whoo, everyone was scared. Look how the Prince of the Lord did this, that, and the other. And they had to then obey God. And it, and it was a, an external one which related to a nation called Israel. But God's design plan was always for a new covenant that didn't just a come and see, but it was a go and tell one because it related to an internal covenant, right? Which relates to every single tribe, tongue, nation. Every single person on this planet has invited and opened to the new covenant, not like the old. But what we can as Christians, if we don't change our mindset, is still relate, even though we're in a new covenant, even though we, the real has come, even though Christ has come, we can still operate under an old mentality and mindset, which is making everything external. So everything that I do comes as a duty. Everything that I do comes as a ticker box. It comes as a, a performance. It comes as something that I, I kind of do for the Lord. Are you with me? Whereas a new covenant, friends, the real, in order for us to incorporate and to operate in the, in the real, God had to go one step further and he had to divinely enable us to actually live out this thing. And he did that by writing it now, not externally, but internally. So when you have any Christian that might come to you and say to you, well, I don't have to do that anymore because I'm under grace or whatever, and say, well, if you're born again, then God has written his covenant on your heart. So actually, that is your default, church. That is where you operate from. That's why, following on from last week, when we say our identity is found in Christ, that's our identity as a son and a daughter. My identity is that he's written uh, his laws, he's written his commandments, he's written his covenant on my heart. It's inside of me. It's who I am, actually. 
So when I begin to operate in some other way, friends, it's not really who I am. It's not for me to try and fix something to become something. It's for me to tell that thing to get behind me and for me to live who I really am. Have we got this one? And now he empowers us to do this so we don't even have an excuse. And then what's even more wonderful and more powerful is that he says, I'm going to do it anyway. Let me carry on reading Hebrews chapter 8. Uh, let's just read from verse 7, uh, verse 6. But as it is Christ, he's obtained a ministry that is so much more excellent than the old, as the covenant he mediates is better, since it's enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. For he finds faith with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on that day which I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant, and so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I'll make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I'll put my laws into their minds. I'll write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful towards their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. So what he's saying here is, first of all, there was nothing wrong with the old covenant. He said, for they. He didn't say it. He said, they disobeyed. They were. But he says, I'm going to put a new covenant. I'm going to put a new covenant. I'm going to establish a new covenant in your hearts. I'll put my laws in their minds and I'll write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Friends, right there is in a covenant understanding that there is an ownership issue here in covenant. I will be their God and they will be my people forever. Forever. So when we come to the table this morning, there's an understanding of ownership. I become his forever. He is my God and I'm his people. And he go, and I go, well, and what about if something happens? And in order for something not to happen, in order for God to make sure that I'm his forever and ever and ever is that he takes care and he jumps inside of me. So you've got to understand that. See, I will be their God, they shall be my people, and they shall not teach, they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, know the Lord. It's no longer a case, of, a case of trying to coax somebody to know the Lord. When they got born again, he came to live inside of them. He wrote his laws on their hearts. Every single one of us now can know God. Amen. Because of what? Because of the new covenant. When we understand this, friends, and we understand it's a case of us allowing the Holy Spirit to illuminate who we are. Amen. We've got to catch this. Our finding our identity in Christ and finding who we are, friends, finding that's what God did for me is finding an understanding of the new covenant. It isn't just that He took away my sins. It isn't just that He He. He, he removed my sins, but he also removed any rebellion. 
Because now it's no longer something external that I'm trying to achieve or conform to or do. It's who I am. I don't know how else to say it. I'm saying it in 14 different ways, but I'm just trying to say the same thing. It's now written inside of you. It's who you are. His commandments, His laws, everything is written inside of you. And it's not just written inside of you, but the Holy Spirit now fills you in order for you to walk and do that. This is the covenant relationship that God has with us. Now in the same light as all of that is found 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 is talking about the local church. And when he's talking about the local church, he's talking about the same covenant understanding that I have with God, I should have with my fellow brothers and sisters. The local church is a covenant-keeping community of people. And as a covenant-keeping community of people, we are connected together way more than just my feelings, my likes, where I'm at in life, what's happening, friends, it's covenant. That's why I said about marriage. Marriage is about a covenant keeping rather than staying in love. There's far too much nonsense going on in the teaching people in marriage about how here's the 17 steps to stay in love. I can give you a few things of how you can stay in love. But friends, if your marriage is about staying in love, you're in big trouble. Your marriage is about a covenant-keeping God. Because your marriage relates to a covenant-keeping God, which relates to the church and Jesus Christ. And that's not how Jesus Christ operated with us. A covenant-keeping, friends. It's the same with us in our marriages about covenant-keeping. I'm not saying you can make mistakes, friends. Understand, there's so much scope for making mistakes in the kingdom of God and in the new covenant. This is about a relationship between you and God. This is about a relationship between one another. If we understand the way God looks and understands covenant, friends, if we understand marriage in the same way, we'd understand why there's such an attack on it. Let me encourage husbands and wives. You can make mistakes. Just like God relates to our mistakes, He says, I'll forgive all your iniquities and all your sins. Same covenant understanding, friends, we're supposed to have in our covenant relationships. I can forgive all your... It's not about the mistakes, friends. It's about keeping covenant. It's about that I've covenanted with you, one with another. Same heart, same mind, same spirit. We are one in Him. 
We have been joined together. If God has joined us together, let no man. It's a covenant understanding. Am I saying you can't leave a local church? Please understand there are many reasons why people leave local churches and some of them are biblical. I'm talking about when we plant together, when we planted together, when we rooted together, when we established together as a local church, it's about a covenant relationship. The same relationship and covenant they have with God, I have with you. And in that covenant relationship, it's not about mistakes, it's about keeping covenant. Amen. What I want to encourage you with is that there are seasons in covenants, friends, where you might get disjointed, you might feel a little bit lonely, or you might have pulled back, you might not be involved, you might be, there's many reasons why we go through all the things that we go through, we, we feel isolated, friends, it doesn't change covenant. And if we understand covenant, friends, covenant relationships are what displays the nature and the character of God. Amen. When, if you've got somebody outside looking at covenant, if somebody outside is looking at this church and looking at this church as a covenant-keeping church, what does it display, friends? It should display the goodness, the nature of God, the kindness of God, the forgiveness of God, the love of God, caring for one another, helping one another, there with one another, meeting together, encouraging friends. Why? Because we have... We have the, the cross, the finished work of the cross has done away with every single of the walls of hostility and every one of the divisions in our lives, whether it be culture, whether it be color, whether it be uh, uh, status, whether it be class, whether it be upbringing, whatever it is, it's all been done away with. And now you see a covenant-keeping people that are operating together, and every single one of us operating the same way God is operating with us. Amen? And He forgives us when we mess up. He doesn't kick us out. He doesn't, doesn't shout, judge, does a whole bunch of stuff, Right? This is all part of the covenant of the communion that we're about to partake this morning. The reason why I'm sharing all of this is because when we partake of this, I don't want us to just sit there as individuals just saying, thank you, God, that you've taken care of my sin. Because it's the finished work of the cross, friends, it's taken care of a lot more than just that. Amen. So I want to encourage us, I want to encourage us this morning that God has done something amazing and marvelous. When he sent his son and he died on the cross, friends, and he took care of our sins, and he took care of our rebellion, he did something that was guaranteed. That's why he said, I am your guarantor. And that's why he said, I have qualified you. How can a God be so bold and so confident to say to us, I have qualified you. I'm your guarantor. Does he not know who we are? Does he not know? He's met Jerron. He's met Grant Lawther. He's met Murray. He's met Andrew. He's met Rob. Rod. He's met. Yes. <laughs> he knows us. He knows exactly who we are, friends. How can he have such confidence? I wouldn't have confidence in me. Say, so, no, no, buddy. Ah, you, you could disqualify yourself so easily. I'm not going to say anything. Just wait till the finish on the day. Why can God have such a confidence in every single one of us, friends? Because of what He's made us. For who we are. He's had these external things, and that's our default to try and do it externally. And people still do that today with church. It's an external thing. We come to church to get something, or we do this for God, or we do that, it's all external, but the relationship, friends, the greatest challenge in the church today is the relationship with God. 
Because you can do church and everything else without any relationship with God. In fact, I sit with people every single week, friends, that can come and share with me their hearts, but I can see there's no relationship with God. They think they have a relationship with God, but they don't even spend any time with Him. They don't read the Bible, but they have a relationship with God, and they'll come out of a relationship with God and even say, God said this. And I'll say, well, God said a lot of things. Let's go and find out what He said in here. Amen. But the whole point of the transition of there to here, to this new covenant, was a relationship with God, right? Was to know Him. Every single one of us now can know Him. Isn't it wonderful that He said that? Not now, every single one of us can. And some other thing that this desires, but that we can know Him. That's why our desires change. Everything else that's above everything is knowing Him. I mean, what happens in my life? If anything comes against knowing Him, here's knowing Him, everything else comes, it has to bow to knowing Him. If this is gonna cost me knowing Him, I don't want it. My desires have changed. Amen. But now, in reality, once that has happened, what happens beautifully is that God says, okay, let me take care of that, and that's why I can qualify you, that's why I can guarantee you, is because now I'm gonna write it inside of you, and then we're gonna live this thing out, son. But Lord, you know, I mess up, whatever, don't worry. I've given you my spirit, I've written it inside of you, watch me do what only I can do. Hebrews 13, just quickly go to Hebrews 13. Let me read 20 to 21 and let's take communion. Hebrews 13, 20. To 21, says this, Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant. Now may the God of peace, who raised Jesus from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good, that you may do His will, working in us that which is pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Woohoo! That's the promise of the new covenant. Equip you with every good thing that you may do His will, working in us that which is pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. God is working inside of every single one of us that which is pleasing to Him to do His will. You might be sitting there and going, well, you don't know my life or you don't know what's happened or this, that, and the other. Just put your faith and trust in a God who not only died for you and redeemed you from your sin, but also put his life, his power, his spirit, and wrote his covenant on your heart that you will make it to the end and you will follow him and you will do his will and you will complete the task that he's given to you because he will ensure that it is done. And as long as you stay in faith, that's... The Bible, the Bible. See, in the old covenant, it was you had to put your faith in something which we didn't know what to do. In the new covenant, Christ comes and puts faith and obedience in us. Isn't that beautiful? It's wonderful. So as we stand this morning, we're gonna partake of communion. I don't want you to partake of it maybe as you have in the past or if you've understood this before. And that's wonderful. 
But I, 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 don't, I don't want us just to partake of communion with a half understanding. I want us to partake of communion with a full understanding. And that we can d- distribute them and just hold on to the, the um, grape juice and the, and the cream cracker and we'll partake of it all together as a church this morning. But as you come to him and do this in remembrance of him, I want us to, to just remember the 1 Corinthians 11 understanding. That as we gather as a church, we gather as a church because of this covenant, because of communion that we're taking right now. That's why as we gather as a church, church isn't a group of people meeting in a coffee shop. Because in that illustration in 1 Corinthians 11, he's not talking about the universal church. Please hear me and understand that I believe in the universal church. I believe every single one of us when you're born again become part of the global universal church. But Paul in 1 Corinthians 11 is not talking about the global universal church. He's talking about a local church in Corinth. And he's talking about that local church in Corinth. And he is telling them that they're not operating correctly. And then he says the reason why you're not operating correctly is for this reason. And he goes on to say, just as the Lord gave it to me, so I deliver it to you. The night, that night the Lord, he broke bread, took wine. This is the cup of my blood, the new covenant. I want us this morning as we partake of this as the new covenant, I want us to have an understanding I want us to have an understanding of covenant. We've not done this before in 24-7, but we will be doing it into the future. So every new person that comes in here, we're going to get them to stand in front of the church so we can celebrate them as a new member, but I also want them to declare covenant. Because we covenant to one another. Because we as a church covenant with them and they covenant with us. And covenant is not something you take lightly. Covenant is exactly the same as a marriage, friends. I don't stay married because I feel like it or because it's nice or even because I'm in love with Jane. Because what happens in the day that I don't feel like I'm in love? See, covenant covers all, covers all the bases. Covenant, friends, is way more than just staying in love. Has everybody got everybody got a cracker and a piece of and some grape juice. I want us, as we, as we just hold the cracker up to God, or just hold it before you, we just meditate on this. For a large part of the time, a lot of the time when we come to communion, we just think about what God did for us. And I, I want us to meditate on that just for a few minutes, and I want to move on because it's the part that we don't often concentrate on is, when we lift up the cracker this morning, to understand that the Bible says, this was my body that was broken for you. We do this in remembrance of Christ. We remember that he was obedient even to the point of death. He took on the form of a servant. 
He came and He served. He laid down His will, His everything to come and serve us. He was obedient in every single way, even to death on a cross. His body was beaten, a crown of thorns put on His head. He did that for us personally so that we could be redeemed from every sickness, disease, and infirmity and that our body would be whole. But I want to tell you this morning, as you partake of communion this morning, I want you to also, as you eat of this cracker, I want you to understand about a covenant-keeping God that you were planted in a local church called 24-7. And you made a covenant-keeping promise before God to this church and to one another, whether you understood it or not. And that was so that we might be whole. Because a body's only whole when all its parts are joined together and committed together. Body's not whole, friends, when parts just pop in and do whatever they feel like. A body's only whole when it's all joined together, right? Just think about medical science and it will help you understand that. A body's whole when every joint is, everything is all connected together and it's operating and flowing. So that's why God understands these things. That's why we're a covenant-keeping people because He's a covenant-keeping God. Because we covenant together to operate and to work and to do things together. And so as we partake of this, we also understand our covenant with one another. Not just what God did for us individually, but what God did for us as a church. And just as 1 Corinthians 11, Paul used this in order for the people to understand, he actually brought discipline into the house for them to understand that it was unacceptable behavior for some to be sitting there eating and gorging themselves and getting drunk while others had no food. He was telling them the conduct and the condition of the church ought not to happen if we understand covenant. So this morning we understand that God ordained, designed, and controls local church also through covenant. That our behavior, how we operate, is in covenant keeping with one another. So thank you, Lord, as we lift up this cracker as a symbolic of the body of Christ. We want to do this in remembrance of what you did, Lord Jesus. That when you died on the cross, you broke, you broke the wall of hostility. You broke all differences. You broke all dissensions and, 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 and factions and, and all of that, Lord God. And you made us one together. That we are a covenanted people, one together, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, that as we be made whole, Lord, we thank you as individually this morning. If you have sickness, disease, and infirmity in your body right now, God has made you whole through the body of Jesus Christ. We thank you for that wholeness. We thank you that you have made us whole as a body 24-7, Lord God, because, Lord God, of the covenant, the new covenant that was purchased in Christ. So thank you, Lord God, that as you broke down every single wall, that, Father, we declare that even as we partake of this to one another. That we are one. That we're a covenant-keeping, covenant people. That there is no difference between any of us. That we are one in Christ and in God. There's neither male nor female nor, nor a slave nor free man nor a Gentile nor Jew. There's one in Christ. There's no status, no class, no level, 
of anything, we're all one together, a covenant-keeping people. As we eat of this right now, we thank you, Lord, and we celebrate that. We thank you, Lord God, for the redemption in our bodies and in our lives and in this body in Jesus' name. And as we lift up the, the grape juice, we want to say thank you, Lord, for the blood of Jesus Christ. As Jesus lifted up the cup, he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. We remind ourselves today that this covenant was bought with his blood. That it cost Jesus his life. It cost him his blood. That he would redeem and wash away our sins. That he would forgive us all our iniquities and remember our sins no more. We thank you for your blood, Lord. We thank you for the price that you paid and the cost that it took to bring us into a new covenant relationship with you. We thank you, Lord God, what it costs, Lord God, that all your promises are now yes. What it costs, Lord God, to bring us back into our original design and identity as a son and a daughter of God. What it costs, Lord God, for you to unite us back with the Father and back in relationship as a family with a son and a daughter and a father and a mother. Just as we thank you for the blood, Lord, and what it costs to redeem us back into our identity, Lord, we thank you today that we, that cost, Lord God, was there to redeem us back into our identity as sons and daughters in this family, 24-7 church. A price was paid for our identity and for who we are, Lord. And we honor that, Lord, and we say thank you. It was the eternal price, Lord God, of your own son dying for us, Lord. Today, Lord God, as we drink right now, we say thank you that not only does it wash us clean of all our sin, Lord God, but it restores back relationship and identity, Lord God, and wholeness and health and everything back, Lord God, is held together by the blood of Jesus. So thank you this morning, Lord God, that we are held together by the blood of Jesus. We held together by covenant, Lord. Thank you for this family, Lord. Just as you drink now, just thank the Lord for that which he did on the cross for you and I. I know this is probably my most awkward time ever since I got born again in a church, but I'd love you to kind of join hands, even if you have to cross the aisles to join hands. Please don't worry if your hands are warm or cold or clammy or, or you're holding someone's hand. It's just a good declaration and illustration of just joining in unity. as we come I want us to sing that song again Jane if we can um, uh, it is finished that song but just as we come together and we're around the table of the Lord the table of the Lord is not 
some somber, heavy moment. It's actually a celebratory moment around a table, a family table, because it depicts family. It's a beautiful picture of the disciples gathered around as sons, Jesus standing at the head depicting God as a father, lovingly. As we're holding hands, I just want to pray over us as a family this morning. I want to pray over Gavin and Juanita. I want to pray over every one of our marriages. So Father, I want to thank you that you're a covenant God. I want to thank you that you're a covenant-keeping God. I want to thank you, Lord God, that you never, never, ever failed in your covenant-keeping side. We failed, Lord. But I want to thank you, Lord God, that you made sure that you would create a covenant, a new covenant, the New Testament, which is a far better covenant with far better promises. You made sure that it wouldn't fail, Lord God, because you walked on behalf of both sides. Just like with Abraham, Lord, where Abraham didn't walk in that covenant, so, Lord Jesus, you came down to earth and became a man so that you could walk on the side of man and, and then God could walk on the side of God and both, you cut covenant with yourself, in a, in basically. And when you cut covenant with yourself, you guaranteed success. And you guaranteed that all the promises are yes because it's not conditional on us, it's conditional on God. And if God fails, then we're all in big trouble. So I thank you that it's basically, you put it, it's, you can't fail, Lord. But I want to thank you today, Lord God, that you're a covenant-keeping God and you're an amazing covenant God. And how I thank you that no matter what we do and we journey and we go through, Lord God, it never affects covenant. It never affects our covenant with you. Because you have forgiven us our iniquities and you remember our sins no more. And so I want to pray for us as a community of believers that God, no matter what may happen and all the things that may happen in our lives, that we would not let those things affect our covenant with one another. Maybe you're sitting here today and over time, maybe you've got less and less involved in the life of the church. Maybe you've got disconnected from the life of the church. Maybe relationships have changed. Maybe, maybe some have left the church. I wanna just encourage every single one of you here this morning to get back involved in covenant keeping, to get back involved in covenant family. That God planted us together to be covenanted with one another, to operate and work together. Because he's called us to an incredible mandate and a purpose and a plan. That's not to put a heavy on you. If God's speaking to you and saying, maybe you need to go somewhere else, then we'll, we can journey that as a father and a, and a, and a son and a daughter. I'm just talking about us as a community of people. As we go forward together, I want us to do this as a covenant-keeping people. And as we do it together, I want us to remember our marriages because I want to lift up every marriage in this church. I believe marriages come tremendously under attack because of the prevailing spirit that is operating in this world. And if you've got a marriage here today and has not been challenged over the last little while, not come under attack, and things have not tried to to shift or sway your love for one another or trying to throw something in the works and let's try to make things bigger and make it look like you can't go on or, or, or things are just out of whack. I want you, want you to know right now, I can categorically tell you that that is the demonic realm 
that is trying to shake and operate in the earth and in the church today. Because our marriages are a display of the glory of God and the covenant of God. Because God ordained marriage. And God brought a man and a woman together that they would display His glory. And when God brought us together, it was in the understanding that we were covenanted together. The Bible says, whom God has joined together. God joined us together. It says, don't let man try and come in the way of that covenant. Don't let man try and make you think otherwise. But in keeping covenant, you align yourselves with the new covenant. In keeping covenant, you align yourselves with the will of God. In keeping covenant, you step into the blessings and the grace and the mercy and the glory of God. And I wanna encourage you today that even if you don't feel like it, as you stay committed and stay in covenant, watch God work because He's inside of you, because He's operating, because He's working on your behalf, because He's your guarantor, because He qualified you. And I lift up Gavin and Juanita at this time too, and I wanna honor them as I honor every single marriage here. Just as it's their wedding anniversary, they get a special mention. I just wanna say thank you, Lord God. Just as it's been a year in the Bible, they always say take a year out to get to know one another. I wanna thank you, Lord God, that they've got to know one another. And I wanna say, Lord, thank you, Father, that they're not perfect people. Thank you that they've all got warts and all. They've got strengths, they've got weaknesses, they've got mistakes, but you joined them together. You made them one, Lord God, for your glory. And I wanna thank you that they have Holy Spirit dwelling inside of them. When the Bible says we join, we must we multiply after our own kind, friends, it's talking about spiritual people, born again, new creatures in Christ, the same kind. It's not talking about race or color or culture or anything else. It's talking biblically, it's talking about a husband and a wife both born again. I encourage you today. That's why a woman can sanctify her marriage if she's married to an ungodly man. She can sanctify that marriage, but I wanna encourage you, it is far better that if you get married, get married to a born again believer. So I wanna thank you that Gavin and Winita are both born again. They both have Holy Spirit inside of them. I just wanna honor their marriage. I wanna thank you, Lord God, that they have grown to know one another and now, Lord God, as they're launching off into their second year of marriage, even though they know one another, even though they know each other's faults, even though they push each other's buttons, even though they rub each other up the wrong way, even though they might have had some disagreements, I thank you, Lord God, that they're covenant. They covenanted in you. They covenanted in love. I thank you, Lord God, that their marriage would grow from strength to strength that they would grow more in unity, more in love, more one with one another than ever before, Lord. And I pray that over every single marriage, Lord God, even if you've been married for 20 or 30 years, or 40 years, or 50 years, or 60 years, or 70 years, I thank you, Lord God, that you're uniting us in marriage like never before. We're actually getting stronger and glued together, stronger connected together, Lord God, stronger in love because it's not based on feelings or anything that we may have done or not done. 
It's because we're covenant together. We want to display the goodness of God. We want to display the glory of God. We want to display His love. We want to display Christ in the church. So I thank you today, Lord God, that we as a church, Lord God, we just honor you. We lift up our hands to you and we just say, we invite you to come and to do what we cannot do, Lord God, by your spirit, that we can walk in your ways, that we can honor you, that we can live the way you designed us to live with the thoughts because you've written your covenant on our minds and on our hearts, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, from this moment on that we be a covenant-keeping people walking in the fullness and the glory of God. I pray a blessing over this community and of these people, Lord. I thank you, Lord God, for what you did on the cross. I thank you, Father, for the communion as, as we partook of it this morning that we just wanna say thank you and honor to you, Lord God, that you've reminded us of who we are in Jesus' name.